Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. Good morning, PCC. My name is Tina Chang Henson, and I'm honored to guide you into the Word of God this morning. I have to say that that song, I would sing that with my sisters at the top of our lungs when we were driving down to church in the mornings. So thank you for sending me back to that memory. As a fellow pastor serving within the Evangelical Covenant Church denomination further south of here, I've loved getting to be a small part of your community um, during this time of transition. This morning, I'll be preaching out of Psalm 119, 137 to 152, continuing your series on finding the way. This was a week of finding the way for me. Out of curiosity, how many of you or your kids started school this week? I'm just wondering. Okay, so your week was like my week. How many of you were figuring out what fall activities to sign up for as well? Okay, how many of you had a spouse out of town? <laughs> this is my week. Um, so I, I, knowing all this, uh, I chose to preach on this passage knowing it would uphold me. Knowing that the truth of what God would say to me would give me a chance to practice gratitude, awe, and dependence amidst the flurry of schedules and pickups and decisions. The big idea of today's message is that God's righteous justice upholds us amidst the fatigue, shame, and trouble that come our way constantly. Now, in this week of life, what I didn't know was that my younger sister would graciously watch my kids and take them to a movie called uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru, <laughs> so that I could go see a movie by myself in a dark theater. <laughs> and so I watched a movie called Where the Crawdads Sing. And I'm curious, has anyone seen that movie? Okay, show me. I'm like really curious. I know they saw it. It was great, but I didn't expect that God would use this PG-13 mystery drama to underscore the big theme of my message. That was a total gift from God. So where the crawdads sing, I'll be referencing a lot. And in some ways, it's just a simple movie, but it was lyrical and evocative and beautiful. But there was so much around injustice, violence against women and children. Um, it tells the story of a young woman who's abandoned by her family, and she raises herself in the marshlands of North Carolina. And yet, because, and despite the fact that she's isolated, she's poor, she's vulnerable, somehow a strangely biblical sense of justice and righteousness keep her together and guide her and direct her and those around her to overcome her challenges. So as you jump into this morning's slice of the psalm, I hope you guys have your little bookmark, I want you to look for themes related to what I just said injustice, righteousness, goodness. Maybe there's areas where you'll see shame, trouble, and I want you guys to notice what you see there. Next slide. I'm going to ask you um, in the passage to look for any repeated words, and if you've done this for the whole series and you're like, yes, this is old hat, I do this all the time now, I'm going to give you a, another way to engage the text. 
because the book of Psalms is a book of prayers, and prayers were voiced out loud, they were read, sometimes whispered under their breath. It was a prayer book. People didn't always just read it with their eyes, they, they read it with their heart. Whisper to yourself, read the words aloud in the next five minutes to yourself, and let it become yours. I'll give you five minutes, and then when we come back together, I'll take us through the passage and teach it to us. Here we go.
out of curiosity, how many times did you find the word righteous show up in the passage? Anybody? Okay, I'll tell you the answer. Next slide. It shows up four times. But, so that's clearly a theme, right? But then every single verse, and there's 16 of them, have something about God's word. So this passage is about God's righteous word. And you know that if you've been following along this series. Now, what I want to tell you is that in the Greek New Testament, the word for righteousness is dikaiosune. The word for justice is also dikaiosune. It's the same word. Justice and righteousness are two sides of the same coin. It's because if you're following the law and doing what's right, it's what's just. What's just is what's right, right? There's a deep connection, which is great. But the problem is that life happens. Next slide. If you look at my blue rectangles, life happens and there is fatigue and shame and trouble that come our way. And I want to talk a bit about that, the hard stuff that comes up, because this is what happens in life. We need God's righteous word because there's all these things that come at us. It says in this passage, my zeal wears me out, for my enemies ignore your words. Maybe you've been trying to reach out to a friend for the sake of Christ. I have a story like that recently where um, a guy friend of ours um, came over to help fix a window, and he starts talking about a costly divorce and how hard it was to go through that several years ago. And we know the whole situation, but he was opening his heart to me, and I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. So I text him a few weeks later. I'm like, hey, do you want to read a book together and like, talk about what's going on in your life? He's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I, I felt like a little bit like, oh. But have you ever had that where you put yourself out there and you're trying to reach out, and people are like, no. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, you have. Joseph has. I have. And sometimes you get worn out. You grow tired in doing good. Um, but this is part of life, isn't it? Maybe you don't relate too much to that, but it also says in the second little uh, blue triangle or blue rectangle, though I'm lowly and despised, I do not forget your precepts. And I think when you feel lowly and despised, there's a sense of shame, right? In the movie, there's a... Um, Kaya's a young woman, and uh, she, because her family's abandoned her, she doesn't have much, and someone notices and takes pity on her and says, hey, here's a dress. You should try going to school, you know, your school age. And she, she goes, but she doesn't have shoes. Her feet are dirty. And the kids see her walk in, and they start poking fun at her. You know, kids can be kind of mean. And so she leaves and doesn't go back. And so she grows up illiterate as a result. But sometimes I think the world and people make us feel small, don't we? You know, they make us feel tiny, despised. This is something that she dealt with. So fatigue, shame, and in the movie again, because she has this tough situation, she's kind of vulnerable. She lives in the marshland, like you could get lost, try to look for her. She has a boat. Um, but people can find her and take advantage of her because she's by herself. And trouble comes her way. Now, what's interesting is that all of this happens to us in life. You know, things, trouble comes our way. We deal with feeling small. We feel tired by reaching out. And yet, next slide, what we have to do is let God and his word that's true overcome all those things and like let the red lines, circles kind of max out and cancel out all the blue rectangles that come our way. That's what the first half of this passage really is about, declaring over and over what's true about God and his word. And what's funny is there's a group of people around her that are shaped and formed by the word of God, and they've come to help her. 
But let me, let me turn to the next part of this passage and keep us going and learning what this passage has to say to us. In the next section, you'll see that it says, I call with all my heart, answer me, Lord, and I will obey your decrees. I call out to you, save me, and I will keep your statutes. But then it says, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. In the, in the text, there's two calls and then a cry. And these two calls in the Hebrew, it's interesting, it's like the kind of call when you're asking for help with something because you're trying to do the right thing. So my friend texted me this week. She's like, hey, Tina, do you have a tax guy that I can ask questions of? I'm like, huh. I'm like, it's the fall. But I'm like, John does our taxes. So no, <laughs> I don't. So I can't help her out. I can't deliver on that. You know, people call for help all the time. You know, do you have like, I don't know, I'm doing fundraising. Can you, can you support me? You know, calls for help. That's kara in the Hebrew. The person's calling for help. Shame, fatigue, trouble, you call for help. But in the next verse, it's not that kind of call. It's a cry. It's a cry for help because there's injustice. You're not trying to do the right thing. It's that someone out there is trying to do the wrong thing in your life and you are desperately scared you might die. It's that kind of desperate call. Cry, sorry, it's a desperate cry. And Kaya in the movie has a moment, several moments, where she has to cry out for that kind of help. This cry is a cry that you see a lot in the Hebrew scriptures. It's the kind of crying that Job does in the book of Job. Eight times he cries out to God because what he's dealing with is not fair, not just. He's a righteous man. It's the kind of cry that shows up where in Lamentations 2.19 it says, Arise, cry out in the night. As the watches of the night begin, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children because they're fainting from hunger at every street corner. Sometimes in the Old Testament, there's siege warfare, like in Deuteronomy 28, and parents have to eat their children. It's desperately sad. This is in the Bible. There are times in life, and thank God we live in the Bay Area, most of us are doing just fine, but there are times we know Right now, all over the world, there's people crying out for that kind of help and rescue. Where is God? Will he answer? That's one of the questions this text provokes in us. Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. That's what it says in Lamentations. And it also says that in this passage, did you notice that? The watches of the night are here. Verse 148. My eyes Stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. To understand this passage, you have to figure out what are the watches of the night and why is this person's eyes open? The watches of the night in Israelite times are a 12-hour block of nighttime that is divided into three sections. So every four hours, Watchmen would stand guard on the city walls, looking and seeing, is there an attacker? Is someone coming to get our city? And they would stay awake through the watches of the night to make sure everyone was safe. Now, there are lots of reasons today why people stay awake at night. Newborn baby, anyone? <laughs> That's like mini watch. Oh, mini watches. It's like every two hours, not every four. You're like, every two, this child is awake. What about sleep apnea? Anybody have sleep apnea? 
Like, you literally wake up, like your body cannot sleep deeply, and you have to go on those CPAP machines, right? Maybe you don't sleep well because you have financial worry. That keeps you up at night. You know, those, those worries about life, you know, it keeps you up. But in this passage, it's none of that. And I thought, oh, my first word, I was like, he can't sleep because he's worried. But this doesn't say that. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. This psalmist is keeping a personal prayer vigil. He's waking up in the middle of the night to pray because things are that bad. I don't know if you've ever done that. I feel like studying this passage has made me wake up a lot earlier as, as a result. But in this passage, it's more like the Proverbs 31 woman who, it says, wakes up while it's still night to provide food for her family and portions for her serving girls. A hardworking woman. This is like Habakkuk 2.1 where someone climbs up to their watchtower to stand at their guard post. Actually, Scott gave this passage to me. He says, there I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Sometimes in life, when there is an injustice that you cannot solve, this is the only recourse. You go to God in the middle of the night to pray and say, Lord Jesus, deliver us. It is that bad. Dear God, I need truth from your word. They might kill me. This is that kind of moment. My husband, John, is not here today. He's with my kids at our church. And um, I gave him the sermon run through last night. And he goes, well, Tina, this is a good message, but how does it work? You know, you can't just tell me God's justice, his righteous justice is going to come through for you when you have shame, trouble, fatigue. You can't just say it's going to be okay. No, no, that's not good enough. I was like, oh, that's why pastor spouses are great. You need someone to give you a run through and tell you your sermon's not done. (laughs) So he says to me, how? And I realized I needed to give you a bit more. See, in that movie where the crawdads sing, I told you it's a a mystery drama. There's a death that occurs. And I'm not going to tell you more than that. But the circumstances around the whole movie are about what happened. Why did that person die? Sometimes when there's injustice, there must be a reckoning, a judgment, something done to make things right. And in the same way, Scripture tells us, because there's no one righteous, no, not one, we've all fallen short, right? Someone had to draw near to address all the fatigue, all the shame, all the trouble. Someone had to carry the full weight of injustice and right every wrong. Scripture tells us in the Old Testament that because there are so many cries to God, God had to himself intervene in human history, in the person of Jesus Christ. There had to be a blood sacrifice to pay the full cost of all the wrongs that are done on planet Earth. God, in his righteous justice, would deliver himself for us. And he did in the person of Jesus. It says in verse 150, those who devise wicked schemes are near but they are far from your law. Yet you are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. How did God come near? In the person of Jesus. That is what happened. So Jesus, the righteous one, the word of God made flesh. He came near, and he was the only one who could keep watch. Remember in Gethsemane? He's like, could you not watch and pray with me one hour? He says to his disciples, because they can't stay awake with him. They can't. 
We can't. But Jesus kept prayer vigil that night. Jesus on the cross cries the cry of dereliction. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He carries all the weight of our injustice on him to make us righteous, didn't he? He cries the cry of dereliction. Do you remember Jesus himself? He experienced that zeal wearing out. How dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace, he says in John 2. And his disciples remember that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. He got tired too doing ministry. It was exhausting at times. People did wrong, right? Do you remember Jesus himself in the spring, we talked about this, he was mocked and despised by others on the cross. Like, he took that shame. He felt it. People said to him, no, you're lowly despised. Who are you? He knew who he was. Jesus was kissed by Judas, that kiss of betrayal. Trouble and distress came upon him over and over again. Yet God's word, his righteous word, became flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That is the word of God. That is who we serve. That is who we love. And that is how John, my husband, who's with the kids, that is how God's righteous justice is enacted. That is how he upholds us, not through your effort, not through your better, you know, attempts to be good, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, that's why black theologian James Cone can say, the certain fact is always that God is present with us, and trouble will not have the last word. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. God with us. God near us. And long ago I learned from your statutes that you establish them to last forever. Let me pray. Father God, help us to apply this word to our lives, God, to declare what is true about you and your word so that you can uphold us in all the fatigue, all the shame, all the trouble we ordinarily experience throughout our crazy weeks of life. God, we know that's normal, and yet you want us to hide ourselves in your word, to wake up even in the middle of the night to come to you when the troubles come our way, to come to you in prayer, to watch and pray. Ah, God, we cry out to you on behalf of a world that suffers. Lord, would you send a deliverer? Would you send people? Would you raise up people who will enact biblical justice? Love, mercy, do justice for your name. Lord, we love you. You love us and you came to our rescue. That is the theme of today. We needed help and you came to deliver us. Thanks be to God. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.